0: So when was the last time you looked at yourself in the mirror, you were thinking about yourself, and you were happy with your self-image?
1: Uh, most recent was just my daughter got her MCA test back, and she tested higher than the average, and I think she was exceptional. Okay. And, you know, just as a parent, you think you're pushing kids too far, doing too much, but that was just a good indicator, like we're on track and she's doing good. So that was kind of like a father moment. And I think once you become a father, those become the the more happy moments you have in life. Mm. So for me, that was mine.
0: That's big, that's big. Well, this is Josh Kyle with the Irenic Podcast. Um, I'm joined by a VIP guest. This gave us a little bit of an insight on on fatherhood. Malik Malik A. Davis um, is with us today. Uh, Just go ahead, I want you just to introduce yourself. Um, Tell us what you're doing. Uh,
1: My name is Malik Davis. uh, From the city of St. Paul. Graduated from St. Agnes. Ended up going to Clark Atlanta University, which is a HBCU down in uh, Atlanta, Georgia. I graduated with my BA, uh, came back to Minnesota to help my parents run an apartment complex, a subsidized Section 8 apartment complex, and ran that for about 15 years. Um, but with the light rail and university kind of expanding, they ended up getting an offer they couldn't refuse, yeah. which ended up pushing me to North Minneapolis where I did property management um, for a couple more years. And then I transitioned into being a realtor. Um, and then from being a realtor, I had put in an interest card to be a fireman. And I got an email one day, was like, are you still interested in being a St. Paul fireman? I was like, you know what? When I was young, I was hungry, and, you know, I could cut grass, plow snow. But as I got older, I was like, you know what? I need a more stable career. I need a pension. So I followed it through, um, and now I'm also a fireman as well at the city of St. Paul.
0: Mm-hmm. So I want to go a lot of different directions with that. Uh, first, um, being a realtor, mm-hmm. it sounds like that was a natural, kind of a natural fit for you I thought, no. after, after, after coming back. Um, and you, started just, you just started a big project for Rondo, uh, Rondo Realty.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Talk to me about that. Talk to me about how that became about um, and how you're still trying to, like, progress okay. um, in, that, in that field right now.
1: like i said my my parents had they were in real estate for a while Um, and my dad used to well my dad and mine used to kind of force me to go with contractors yeah like all right malik you're gonna go with josh and you're the electrician you know ask him all the questions you want ask him why he's using whatever tool he's using and i was irritated as a child but as i became older i realized i had a skill set that i didn't know i had until i had to diagnose problems and properties you're like how did you know that like, I I, I I just been knowing it. And so, like you said, the evolution, it was kind of easier for me to get into it because not only do I know the numbers side of it, as in what's the deal, but I can pinpoint cost on projects just based on looking at them. So it made it – and really, I got into being a realtor because I didn't want to pay my realtor commission on <laughs> the transactions that I was buying. I was like, I could save that money and buy a an refrigerator or do my bathroom. And then after I had it for a while, my wife was like, well, you should just um, start helping other people. And then they just kind of took off from there. And how we ended up going towards the Rondo Realty was uh, social media. Somebody You would say, hey, does anybody know of a local realtor? Mm. And my name and Shauna would keep popping up on the same feed. And then I would see her sign in the neighborhood. I'm like, Man, who is this girl? <laughs> and we happened to be at the same office one day. I was like, man, we should start a team one day called the Ronda Realty Group. And we kind of laughed and giggled. Um, but as time went on, my life got a little more hectic and busy with real estate. Hers was the same. And, you know, real estate, you can only show what you can show. Right. Um, so we needed more people to help us with the clients that were calling and asking for help. And we, we looked at real estate the same the fact that the conversations weren't had enough in our circles or communities of people and that people that we knew of thought they couldn't be homeowners for having UDs, um, think they didn't make enough money, but once you started kind of cutting the fat, like, actually, Josh, you can be a homeowner. Send you to a lender, you get pre-approved, and we put you in the house. Mm. And those are the stories that me and her had similar uh, conversations about, like, you know, we, we look at this the same. And then we jumped off the porch. We jumped out with Rondo Realty Group and it kind of took off. So right now we have uh, five agents and me and Shauna.
0: So from the moment I met you back in the day, so just to give the viewers and listeners some context, met you back when I was in high school, back when I was younger, Mm -hmm. my basketball coach. Mm -hmm. Um, And from that point on, that was like seven, eight years ago, to now, there's been a lot of, I have seen a lot of growth as far as that's concerned, like with your career, with your professional life. What keeps you going? What keeps you grounded um, to keep progressing?
1: Retirement. When When I hit that 60 mark, God willing, I'm able to do so healthy Like I'm checking out, like I'm kicking it. Like I'm enjoying the world, I'm enjoying my wife, I'm enjoying my kids. Like I'm gonna live the life I see other people I see on vacation living. Um, Context and exposure is huge. And for me, I just wanna be able to, so to answer that question. When I was younger, I made money, I spent money. I made money, I spent money. Like, oh, I got another check coming in two weeks. Like, I'm good. But as I started to get a little bit older and having conversations and seeing different people living di- different ways as elders, I was like, I got I to gotta look at this a little different. Mm-hmm. So I began to set my mark at 60, and what do I need when I get to 60 to live the life from 60 on until however long God gives me. And so that's what keeps me moving forward is to make sure that when I get to that, that earmark that I'm in, a, I'm in a good position, not only for myself but for my family and my kids.
0: So you talk about retirement um, and that being the goal. Is that part of, like, your idea of what success is? Like, tell me what, when you look in the mirror, when you, when you measure yourself up to success, like, what, what do you think about? Uh,
1: success is, a, is such a... An interesting word, right? Yeah. Basketball, right? You got all these kids that come into the gym to try out. Mm-hmm. You got kids extremely happy that they made the team. And you got kids that made the team that aren't happy, right? So that same context, same, same environment, same world that these pocketed kids are living in, their level of success is different. And I think individually we have to challenge ourselves to script it. Like this is my plan based on my plan or i'm sorry these are my goals based on my goals these are my plans these are my three months six months year five years ten whatever however long you want to write it out and then hold yourself accountable for me that's tra- tracking success whatever it happens to be because everybody's not going to have the same all right well i need to save you know five thousand dollars in the bank at the end of three months well for somebody that's easy that's a couple checks for somebody else, it might take them a year to get to that point. But if somebody that is easy for sets that as an earmarked plan and they don't accomplish it, and somebody that is hard for sets it as an earmarked plan and they do accomplish it, I would say the one that accomplished it is more successful than the one that didn't because they were able to execute their goal and they got it successfully completed. Um, so for me, success is just setting out plans, setting out goals, and getting them accomplished but more importantly, just trying to be better. Like my goal when I wake up is to be better and do better than I did yesterday. Inevitably, I should be moving towards the route of success. If I don't have that as an earmark, if I don't have that as a plan every day that I wake up, 10 years down the road, like, dang, I just spent 10 years and I'm in the same spot. And I was there, I did that. When I got out of college, man, me and the homeboys used to kick it hard after work. I'm a (laughs) hire. We enjoyed ourselves Um, every day after work in my buddy's garage. And then at one point, I was like, you know what? I could be doing something with this time. And I started my lawn company. And after I got off my nine to five, I went out and cut grass. And then when I got done cutting grass, I went back by the garage. My homeboys were still in the garage. Wasn't missing nothing. Wasn't missing nothing. And that's when the light went off. It's like this. Is all, my, man, my sister told me that a long, when I was in college, my sister told me she's like the best piece of advice she ever got. There's always gonna be another party. You got this test, you got this paper you gotta do. You don't want to miss this party. Or such and such is having a party. Such and such is at the club. Think you don't want to miss it? There's always gonna be another one. And it took me a while to realize that. And that was kind of one of my aha moments. Like, dang, like I could go out here and still hustle and get to it, and I could still come and have a good time and hang out with my, my people. But what ended up happening was I was kind of one of the first ones that had the second job and a couple other people in the garage got a second job and we got a real tight-knit group of people uh, and so when things wasn't going right or you was off your, you wasn't online, we would bring you to the table Mm. and we'd have a conversation. Like, hey, Josh, like, what's going on, bro? Like, you ain't, you ain't got your full-time job yet. Or, you know, you and your girl be tripping on public too. Like, whatever the conversation was, what we thought you was, need to be held accountable for we would do it in that garage but by default everybody started leveling up um and it's, it's, it's a good
0: thing how important is that now like do you still have a knit like a, a group of people that you can like you say have those take like have those discussions with and be like hey mm-hmm. you're not you're not you're not to the level you need to be with your well you know with your family with your career yeah you still have that in your, in your you life? Yeah,
1: we go back to five years old. Like, mm. we've been running tight since then. It's probably six, six, eight of us. Uh, a Couple of us went to college together. My roommate w- was one of those. Um, but I think life is important to have multiple circles. Like, that's the circle of guys that I grew up with. Yeah. But none of those guys in that circle do real estate. So I had to find other circles with people that did real estate circles of people I know in real estate don't really do investment so I had to find circles of people that did investments and so when we talk about success man there's so many different like what are we talking about are we talking about being successful and making money and we talking about being successful and being healthy living a balanced life chasing your career path um, being a father being a husband like success is just that's why I said it's a hard
0: yeah that's question. why I asked it cuz everybody defines it differently. So last episode we had um somebody around my age group and mm-hmm. we talked about success. Um and I mean essentially a lot of the same. Just right. uh just talking about um always getting better. Um getting that college degree, you mm-hmm. know. And 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 leveling up and and, and achieve, like you said, goals, like just hitting your goals.
1: And that's big. You have yeah. to set it. I mean, what other what other mark can you can you grade yourself on this ain't school no more school's over okay? ain't nobody grading you yeah. your kids can grade you your, your significant other your parents can grade you but if you're if your biggest critic is outside your head you're in trouble because that means you're following somebody else's tune yeah. you have to be your own worst critic like I could have did that better I should have and sometimes it's irritating um you know from my wife's like, man, like, you've done so much, you shouldn't be like da-da-da-da, like, yeah, but I could have did, like, that's just, that's just how I am. Like, I want to I wanna get to the next level. I want to be successful at whatever task is in front of me. And, if I, and, I'm, and I'm okay with failing. So I got two kids, right? I got a son and a daughter. And me and my wife, sometimes we go back and forth about failure about letting my son fail or putting him in uncomfortable situations, letting my daughter fail, putting her in uncomfortable situations. My position is I want them to fail, not that that came out wrong. I know what you mean. I want them to try any and everything that's in front of them that they can possibly go after. And if they fall and they fail, I'm okay with that failure because I wanna see how they respond to it. I wanna talk them through what they're thinking, how they're approaching this failure. Um, And I think a lot of those conversations aren't being had. I think too often, especially in our community, I coach, I see it. Like, wait, man, why ain't my son playing? (laughs) Like, what, the the son that we both know don't know the offense, or the son (laughs) that we both know don't know the defense? Like, what what, what are we talking about? Like, are we serious? (laughs) the son that mispracticed the three days? Like, but it's so much, from the parent's side, of just agreeing to what the, let me, I'll say it different. I remember I told my dad when I was at St. Agnes. They brought me up as a sophomore to play varsity. And what? I was like, man, dad, like, I ain't getting no minutes on the team, man. Like, I don't know what, I'm, I don't know if I'm going to stay. He's like, well, who's in front of you? And I told him to do I said, I think his name was, no, I think, his name was Juan. He was like, well, what year is he? I said, he's a senior. And he was like, are you beating him in practice? And I was like, what you talking about? He was like, "Are you beating them in every drill? Are you making it harder for him when he has the ball? Are you showing your coach that you're a better guard?" And then he just, I was like, "I couldn't say yeah. yeah." So then when I went back to practice, I went back with a different mindset. Um, and I don't, I think parents need to challenge their kids more instead of just receiving. Well, I'm not getting this. Okay, well, you you go try and earn it first. Go work as hard as you can, and then. And inevitably, you might not get what you want at the end of it, but that's okay because it teaches kids work ethic. It teaches them how to be able to hear no and still transition and move on. Because sometimes kids hear no for the first time too old and they go berserk. Like, what do you mean? I can't. And they just go crazy, so. Uh, I don't know, I think I got off topic, but.
0: No, you're you're perfect because you, you hit right into my segue. Um, so you talk about success and failure um with your with your children for you as a father when you look at yourself what do you think like what are areas you felt like you're proud of you feel like you succeeded in and what are areas that you're like man i i messed that up and i learned from that
1: right so and i'm at that transition point as we speak Mm. um i read this book a long time ago called rich dad poor dad and it, it explained money, right? It explained machines of money, how to get residual income. So after I read that book, like that's kind of where my mind was at. Like, all right, I'm gonna set up all these machines to where it, I get them running, and I don't have to do nothing. It's just gonna bring money back in. But it also involves time, energy, and effort from on my part. So I had, you know, I had these machines running or whatever. Still have them running, but time and money don't go, you can't separate them. Either I'm giving you more time to make money or I'm giving you less time to make less money. And as a father, as a man, and just as an adult, like it's, you have to find, you gotta find that balance. And sometimes it's not balanced. Sometimes like, you know what, I'm gonna work all these hours because I'm gonna make a whole bunch of money and it's not balanced for my family. Or now I'm at the position where I'm gonna have to cut something loose because to answer your question, that is a failure. Right now, I feel as a father, that I'm not as present with my kids as I need to be. Uh, my daughter's 10. My son's 8. Uh, but I wanted to make sure that they had exposures. They traveled the world. They got to see things. I mean, they're not real materialistic. You know, My son, wears, I mean, we wear Target Menards clothes. Uh, but they have exposure to the world. Um, but those are vacations. But when we stay side, we home side, like I, so the fire department, I work 24 hour shifts. So I'm gone every other day until I get a break for six days or four days. And on those breaks, I'm selling real estate mm. or I'm coaching or I'm dealing with the lawn or snow company or the maintenance contracts, which removes me a lot from being home as much as I want to be. So now I'm at the phase, of like, you know what? Like, I got enough money, essentially, to be able to set aside some things and kind of focus on my kids. So that probably right now, I would say, is my biggest failure, is just not being present enough in my kid's life. Um, I cried one day. I took my son to a, uh, to a basketball game, not a game of tryout, He's eight years old, you know, had never really played. And, uh, you know, I just took him in there. They was like, no, parents can't come in or whatever. Like, yeah, whatever, no big deal. And I went back to pick him up. And he was smiling or whatever, having fun. Yeah. Just sitting outside waiting for me. And uh, I talked to one of the girls that was in there that was coaching. I was like, how'd he do? She was like, ah, oh, he didn't really do too well. Like, he didn't, he didn't really want to play. He kind of sat. I said, sat down? Like, what you talking about? And as she talked, she was like, have you shot with him? And I was like, what? She was like, no, I think if you played with him, I was like, you shot with him, you showed him how to dribble? And I was like, no.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: We play around, but I, I'm a basketball coach. Yeah. So I've had them at practice. They used to just sit on the side and kind of play with their toys. But when they wasn't in the car anymore, no I was like, like I'm tripping. Like, I'm missing these developmental moments to hang out with my son and teach him how to play catch. I'm out here chasing some measly money. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't even really need it like that. So, like I said, I'm at that, I'm at that pivot right now.
0: So, That's big. That's big of you even to say, to share.
1: But I think it's important, man. Yeah. Uh, because it's too often, man, we chase the rabbit. And we just get down and we get in that work mode. And we come home and want to chill and relax. And the kids take the, take the brunt of it. You know, hey, Dad, you know, want to come play for a minute? Like, yeah, all right, just give me a second. And the second turns into me looking at my eyelids. So I just think we just got to recalibrate everyone. But like we talked about at the beginning, being your own worst critic, you know. So now one of my goals I'm going to put down on my sheet is making sure I spend more time with my kids.
0: You also bring up um that you're married Mm -hmm. um i see you just celebrated an anniversary yeah 13 years yeah yeah um for you
1: it's actually more like 20 because we've been dating since we've been committed for about 20 years
0: okay so when you look at your your you as a husband as well what do you feel like you've done great again. Like what are some more like pitfalls that you feel like you're currently working on or already worked through? Um, and then like, what advice would you give to, um, like men around my age that are like dating or maybe some men around my age that are married or thinking about starting families? Like what would be your biggest form of advice?
1: You got to pick right. You got to pick right. And I I can, I pick right. (laughs) Um, like I said, I went to school in Atlanta, a lot of glitz and a lot of glamor, a lot of beautiful women. Um, but I think more so now than ever, it's character realm. Like everybody's putting on the character to go. Even when we were young and I went to the club, like everybody got dressed, you know, see big chains. A lot of them were cubics, cubic zaconians. They weren't real diamonds, okay. but it looked shiny. Right? And that's a character. You know what I mean? Popping bottles in the booth would, you know, credit cards that might not be theirs, or they might be with somebody else, and now they acting like it's their boot. It's just, it was so much character acting that I didn't want that, you know, I wanted somebody that was grounded, I wanted somebody that was down to earth. But when I got to looking, to, to when, I, when I started thinking about being in a committed relationship, you have to I look downstream, like, all right, this is gonna be the mother of my child. Like, she's gonna nurture my kids. Like, what kind of love does this person have? Will this person be able to love my kids the way that I want them to be loved? Um, and me, for that matter. So ours wasn't, uh, well, I don't know how everybody else did, but ours wasn't a, like a real dating relationship. Like, we chilled, we talked a lot. Um, and I understand that sex is a, is a huge component, of this environment, it's immediate gratification. Like, oh, like how many girls you had sex with? Oh, yeah. God, da, 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 da. like, oh, I got him to buy me this. Well, you got him to buy you that because you had <laughs> sex with him. Like, let's put everything into context. But I think sex right now is too much in the front part of the relationship of what she or what he can do for you, sexually or financially. But that's, anybody that's in a relationship would tell you, even, I mean, any person in a relationship knows that sex is a very small time quantity portion of a relationship. Unless you go on vacation and it's just a fun vacation, it ramps it up quite a bit. But even in that same day where you wanna have sex as much as you want on that vacation and that day, it pales in comparison to the time you actually spend one-on-one. So my advice would be to make sure that you can have that intimate one-on-one time sitting on a park bench, walking around a lake. Uh, But more importantly, like mentally, where is she at? Like where does she see herself at? Like what's her plans? Like when you put your plans next to her plans, like do they coincide? Is she a worker? Is she lazy? And that, well, okay, so now it's a conversation of, oh, my lady ain't gonna work. Like I'm the man of the house. Like I'm gonna take care of mine. Like my, my woman ain't gonna, like bro, like you ain't even married. Like, how you taking care of her? And she ain't, you ain't even married. My wife went through a phase where she did not work. Mm. It did not start like that. That wasn't the expectation. Um, when we graduated, we both worked, we both had career jobs, but she ended up getting MS on her job. And stress triggers, lesions. Lesions can go down a rabbit hole of a whole bunch of other health issues. So I was like, damn that job, like, you could come home. Like, you don't need to work that job that's why my wife came home and not worked. but while she was at work she believed in me she believed in me enough that every single check that she got she gave it to me mm. there was times we was eating ramen noodles and a uh, hamburger helper on a regular like man if i eat another another ham- and she cussed me out smooth one time <laughs> Like we we made way too much money to be eating and living like this, I was like, man you just you just gotta you gotta believe in me yeah. you got you gotta believe in the plan. this is when we were buying real estate um, but this is while she was at work, and then when she stopped working, the real estate stuff had already been invested in, and that's kind of what took us and
0: started eating off of that.
1: We've been rolling ever since, mm. but she believed in me, and I believed in her, so that to answer your question, you just have to you gotta be able to Without all the extra fluff, without all the character you're looking at, you got to be able to like what you roll over to look at, and you got to be able to have a conversation with them, and you have to believe in the future that they want for themselves. And I think the other most important piece is they have to be able to find their own happiness. If I'm not saying that you're a female, but if I'm responsible for your happiness in our relationship, it's going to fail. It's not going to work. It's going to fail. Yep. Because when you're not happy, you're going to be mad at me for not making you happy. But if you're responsible for your own happiness and you're happy on your own, you got your own set of friends, you got your own things you do outside the house, I'm having a hard day. I come into your happiness, you bring me up. Vice versa. And there was a time in our relationship when my wife wasn't working. She was new here, new to the city. Like, well, where are you going? Why are you doing that? Why you? All the whys and what, what you should have, you could have, you would have, because she ain't had nothing going on. Mm. And we had that conversation. And once she found her lane, found her outlets, it's been good. So you got to find people that can find their own happiness because that's going to help you. You're going to need it, especially being a young black man in this world. We, we get beat up out in the world. I can't come home and have a debate over something simple. i got to be able to come in my household and, and chill and be happy. And if you don't have that, don't put a ring on it. I keep looking. I feel like I could talk about this topic for a minute, but I feel like I want to stop because I don't <laughs> want to keep going. Uh, one thing I am going to tell you, though, Yeah. is it shifts so hard. How old are you? 24. It's going to shift at, like, 33, 34-ish. Mm-hmm. So, like, the girls in school, or when y'all high school or whatever, or even college, you know, that was, wasn't real jazzy, because it was tunnel vision, They was locked and loaded on that career path. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying this is a definite for each situation, I'm just kind of giving a generic, general conversation. But then you got the ones that was jazzy, that, you know, wanted the athletes, that wanted the, you know, the dope boys or whatever, wanted the older men, right? as that transition and as it shifts like some of them peak when they was like 18 22 years old for like sure. the bad ones was peaking back then for
0: sure but
1: what I will tell you is you, usually you shouldn't peak until you're like around 43 43 43 45 it's like I'm 42 right now my okay. peak, I'm trying to hit at like 50. my wife's been getting prettier every year mm. right and even when you look online, you look at, you know, Angela Bassett, for instance, like, look how old she is, right? Ridiculous. So too often, young guys chase the carrot for the moment. Mm. Like, dang, like, she's bad, cuz you see her, like, look what she got, like, <laughs> see them red bottoms? Like, they made her red bottoms, dog. Like, come on, man. Like, where does she work? Yeah. Right? What does she do? Mm. I ain't, what she do isn't where she works at. Like, what does she do? What's her fun? What's her hobbies? That's gonna tell you a lot about her character. Like where does she work, what is she doing, what does she want out of life? Them is a conversation we you need to be having. Like, damn, what do you like? Where do you wanna go? You know, what's your what's your size? What
0: you like eating? Yeah. Like,
1: damn all that. Like we'll put the meat on the potato. Like what what are we talking about? Yeah. am uh, my bad.
0: No, you're good. Um, I, I ask you these questions because so far right now you are <laughs> the guest with the most amount of was, the most amount of lived experience. You're the oldest one I have. So I, wanted, I, w- I was really curious to see what you, what you feel on that. It's, and another question I have for you, um, your manhood. Mm-hmm. How do you define that for yourself? What, what makes a man? Um, and just, like, guide me through your evolution of, of your manhood personally.
1: Well, I think... Uh just trying to turn the ringer off, I'm sorry. No, you're
0: good.
1: Um, I think the manhood is the evolution from doing things you want to doing things you need. You know what I mean? Because, like I said, when we was in the garage hanging out, I was doing what I wanted to do. I didn't need to be in the garage, but I needed to start another business. I had a conversation with a buddy that I graduated college with, and uh, both graduated college at the exact same time, like, oh, man, you know, I just got me a job. How much you make? Oh, man, I'm making about $45,000 a year. He's like, man, what? Man, that's what's up. I was like, how much you make? He's like, oh, I think they're going to start me at about 98. <clears throat> said, so run and say that again. <laughs> He's like, oh, I'm getting them. I think they're going to start me at about 98. But it comes around circles, right? So had I been in a circle with somebody that said they was making thirty-two thousand dollars a year, I'd have felt good. Yeah, you'd feel real good. At that moment. Yeah. But knowing that I just as competent as my homeboy, I'm like, well wait a minute, so I gotta work almost two something years to his one year, like he gonna be way down the track. Like I gotta figure something out. So we start me thinking about uh, residual income and how can I maximize my time and try and get some money without me actually being out there. Um, So having a mind shift of doing what I have to do, I need to do, more so than doing what I want, and being responsible solely for myself first. I I went through a pocket where I was greedy. Like, I put myself before everybody. Mm. My mom, my dad, my brothers, my sister, my wife. Like, I just gotten a, a, a strong tunnel vision, but when I say greedy, I mean just greedy to pushing the plan that I have forward. I'm not saying I wasn't considerate of my wife, I wasn't considerate of my parents, but I had this plan and this vision of how my family was going to succeed, and I jumped down that rabbit hole and I, I ran with it. I ran with it. And now I'm at the point where I'm at the other end of that rabbit hole. Like, all right, well, I done did. I done ran a little nice little trek but I'm also only 42. I got 18 to go. So now it's just trying to balance that time out. Um, the other part of, about manhood is just being accountable. It's a, being accountable to what we talked about earlier, being better than yesterday. Mm. And We talk about all the, like, there's a whole bunch of variations of men. Just like we talked about success, there ain't no singular explanation of what a man is. You got some men that, Sit at home while their wife go out and work. They still men, they at the house, they taking care of the house, even though their wife cut the grass, they, you know, they still men. (laughs) That's their version of what a man is, right? But for me, my version of manhood came from my mother, grandfather, and great-grandfather, and came from my dad and his great-grandfather, just the stories that I would hear. We talk about exposure um, in context. So, for me growing up, the context that I had of a vision of a man was to take care of his household. My great grandfather, great great grandfather was a sharecropper. He didn't let his wife go to the field. He just, I don't know how it worked out that way with his master, but it, it is what it was. Like, he was able to convince him, like, you know what, we'll work extra hard. I work extra on Sunday um, to do what I needed to do so they didn't have to work. Now, whether that was true, whether that was a, a, a myth, or whatever it was, that's the story that I came up with. But what I know for a fact wasn't a story, wasn't a fable, wasn't a myth, was my grandfather was a, um, a manhole digger back in a segregated Jim Crow south in uh, Mississippi, Tennessee,
0: hmm.
1: which told me a long time ago that damn racism, like racism is relevant, it is what it is, but value is more important than racism. To somebody at the top because if you can come to this job site and you can do what I need you to do for a good price and it's a good service I'm gonna pay you and he proved that back in the Jim Crow South so as a young man growing up like alright and then my dad talking to me about um, going with the tradesmen like son you got to be able to make money with your hands everything blow up in the world and start over like what can somebody what can you go to somebody and say you could pay me to do blah 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 like what skill set do you have that's payable i was like all right all right so as from my version of a man growing up was based on the exposure that i had and i needed to be able to get paid by my hands i needed to be able to provide for my family i needed to be able to not only the family that's inside my house but like for my parents, my dad ain't cut the grass and I don't know how long. He ain't shoveled snow and I don't know how long. That's just the expectation that I had as growing up into a young man. Like you take care of your elders. Um, and you take care of your household. And you challenge yourself to be better and do better every day. Mm-hmm. And if you do that, it, it, you can't help but put yourself in a
0: better situation. Well, what you just heard was my timer. So uh, as we wrap up here, um, real quick, I want to know, with your definition as a man, what keeps you grounded, what keeps you secure in your manhood um, as you keep progressing?
1: Just my plan is working. Um, What I set out to do, I've done for the most part and my family's happy. So the fact that my family's happy on certain aspects, like I said, I still have to, in my world, challenge myself to be more present. But just in general, you see my kids are happy kids. Mm. Um, So that makes me feel grounded and and happy, but I still have to challenge myself to do better and be better.
0: That's big, that's big. Well, I appreciate your time. Um, Again, Malik Davis, with the ironic podcast, um, just thank you for coming out, man. I appreciate and just you for having me, and just being hope, open.
1: Hope I ain't ramble too much. No,
0: no, no, no. It was great. It was great. I had a good time. Um, but yeah, again, ironic podcast with Josh Cobb. Um, like, comment, subscri- subscribe, share, um, do whatever you gotta do. But yeah, we'll be back again with with more. Thank you.